Well, hello, everybody. Welcome to the um, Adjusting for Life, Adjusting to Life, Chiropractic Pediatric. And with me, I have Dr. William Baeza, who's been in practice for 49 years. And he has been a mentor for me and a friend over the years. And he, um, we've been talking and sharing stories about our patients, and um, he was going to tell me a story about a baby that he adjusted, and I want him to share it with you. Bill, thanks for coming and listening in and talking with us. Okay, so the uh, the baby story, which I have told many times, is uh, I had been in practice for about four or five years, so it would have been 74, I think, maybe. 75, and uh, one of my patients said that his neighbors were a young couple who had a baby who was having trouble breathing and was not holding her, his food down. And uh, so he, he knew the young couple. He was 20 and she was 19. When I say young couple, they were very young. And they had this six-week-old baby that had been four, that had been born by, uh, pulled out by forceps. And they used to do that. Maybe they still do. Anyway, uh, so the baby's head was tilted at an angle. And when the first time I saw the baby, the mother unwrapped the blankets around it. I won't go into the whole story of how they brought him in out of sheer desperation because uh, they were, uh, the MDs were threatening that, well, not threatening, but they said they might be able to clip the sternocleidomastoid muscles on one side and it might straighten out the baby's head so that he could, he could hold his head up straight. The baby was cyanotic, which means a bluish discoloration of the lips and fingertips and other parts of the body and would not hold hold only about half of his, his mother's milk and sometimes hardly any of that. Okay, that was the symptoms that the baby had and the neck was twisted to one side and it was cyanotic, again, blue discoloration. And uh, I had taken pediatric class, classes with the Gonstead system and I kind of knew what to do. So I looked at the baby, I did the various tests and I sat the baby on the mother's lap and I did a cervical chair adjustment. I swear it was the second cervical vertebrae on the left, but I, I can't be sure, but it was, it was in, the, in the upper cervical. I remember that the baby had never made any sound at all, just in little grunts and things like that, but when crying, six weeks old, little tiny thing, and I adjusted the baby and he let out a <laughs> <laughs> a big scream, and I, I thought, oh my God, what did I do? And then the baby uh, slowed down and started breathing pretty regularly, and in about a minute or two, it was a kind of a normal baby color, kind of a pinkish-white color of a baby, and uh, I had the mother sit in one of the rooms and feed the baby, breastfeed her, him, and then just, um, and he was holding it, most of it down by the time they left. Okay, that's part of the story. The, part, the other part of the story was that the next day or a day later, 
I was in my, I was seeing patients and my, one of my chiropractic assistants came in and told me, Dr. Vaisa, can you come out to the reception room? And I said, what for? I'm, I've got patients lined up. No, this is important, she said. I went out there and there was 10 people out there, relatives of the baby and the baby's mother, parents, and they all wanted to shake my hand and tell me how much they appreciated that I had saved their little baby. This was, uh, again, what a, and I, mean, I just, there was a little, little grandmother and she came over and she grabbed my hand and she kissed it. And it, it, it <laughs> this was in front of my front desk staff and there was other patients in the room. So it, it, was, it was very flattering and very and a little embarrassing, actually. I just didn't know how to handle it. I was 33 years old or something. I didn't know how to handle things like that very well. Anyway, so that's a baby story. Later on in the next, uh, in the next six months or a year, people, I remember one bus driver came in and he said, uh, listen, uh, some people told me a story about how you saved their baby or a, a neighbor's baby by working on the neck. And I had a neck problem and I started having more and more and more patients coming from that young couple and the relatives of the couple. Yeah. And that is the baby story as I remember it. Thank you, Bill. That's awesome. Mm -hmm. That's that chiropractic. Yeah. I've also, you know, had, uh, I think the, uh, what did I say, Bell's palsy. Bell's palsy is usually an upper cervical adjustment, easily. I had a man, workers' comp, who was coming into me for a long time, and he he finally asked me, do you, do you work on children? And, I, and, she, and, I, and he described to me how, how uh, the baby was uh, locked to one side, his neck. I think it was her, her neck, it was a little girl. Her neck was, I have this written somewhere. Her neck was locked to one side. It was your basic Bell's palsy. And no, it wasn't a, I'm thinking. Torticollis. Tort, it, it, it was not a torticollis, it, it was a Bell's palsy. It was a partial paralysis where the eye was drooping, yeah. where the lips were drooping. And when she smiled, she only smiled with half a face. Yes. And there was tears that would come out of the, the eye sometimes without any reason. And anyway, again, I adjusted the upper cervicals, just a simple downstart adjustment. And uh, he brought her in about two days later and she was about 50% better. I checked her again and adjusted her again. And she never had an adjustment for many years after that. And she was fine. I did write, I had four Bell's palsy cases, four or five. And I know I have them somewhere in my in my archives. I hope I do anyway. That'd be great to see. Yeah. Well, yeah. Okay. That's awesome. Thanks, Bill. I was going to tell you a story Please. about um, this little seven-year-old girl was brought to me by her parents. I don't know how they found me, but they were coming from very far away. It seemed like south of San Jose, and you know, I'm in. I was in San Francisco. This is just like a couple of two or three months ago. Oh. This little girl had had MRIs and CT scans because they couldn't figure out what was wrong with her, but she would drag her left leg. So she came in dragging her leg and How old? seven years old. Seven? Okay. And um, she had been like that since birth or, you know, actually since she started walking 
as a toddler and they couldn't find what was wrong. And they said, well, maybe there's a little bit something here that looks like a very mild form of cerebral palsy in her scans. Mm -hmm. Well, I did an exam and looked at her and um, I found her to have a C1 misalignment on the left. Mm And um, I really wanted them to get x-rays because I felt like I could do a much better job if I could see what else was happening in the spine. Mm -hmm. But they were hesitant to do that. And I think money was a real issue. Um, But anyway, I went ahead and I adjusted her on my upper cervical table based on postural cues that I saw by observation based on um, challenges that I did and to her nervous system and palpation. And she ran out of my office. She was bending both knees just fine, ran around my office after that adjustment. So they brought her in again a week or two later and she was holding her adjustment Then she went out of adjustment three weeks later and I palpated her. I observed, I asked where are the x-rays? She, they didn't get them there. The x-rays were coming from some medical office, but they hadn't gotten there yet. Um, I adjusted her from the opposite side. It didn't make any difference at all. She still couldn't bend her leg. So I went back to the left side and adjusted her on the left and boom, she could bend her knee again. She could lift her leg. Um, And then after that, I didn't see them anymore. And it was just like, oh, I guess she stayed bending and running, but I don't, you know, I'm sure they'll bring her back if she ever goes out of adjustment again. But usually kids hold after one or two adjustments. They usually hold, Yeah. So anyway, that was my recent miracle. Very good. Well done. That was fun. Well done for having the guts to do what you know you should do. Well, but then I got her x-rays in the mail and I was so upset that I couldn't get her back in because then I could really analyze, you know, what what else was happening. Because it it would show more than just the upper C-spine. I would see other areas to adjust and I just... um, really wanted to be precise. So does that remind you of another story? Well, only the fact that uh, we have to be careful not to adjust too much. Yeah. Remember Gonstead's quote, find the subluxation, accept it where you find it, adjust it and leave it alone. Yeah. Obviously, the important one is accepted where you find it because it's not always a headache in the upper cervicals or it might, it's not always an L5 sciatica. It can be other things. Mm-hmm. But mostly, it's, it's the typical ones. I just check for the... Most of the time, a headache comes from the upper cervical. What can I say? Most <laughs> of the time. I wouldn't say all of it, but... Uh, or sometimes sciatica, we know, comes from the lumbars or the sacroiliacs or the sacrum. Anyway, that's uh, 
yeah, yeah. There's, there's a lot of uh, God. I have some. I have some pretty miraculous stories now that I think about it. Her children? Well, babies and children? No, not babies. This was a teenage girl who was having her period for 60 days. Whoa. Yeah. 60 days? Yeah, she was bleeding for 60 days. And uh, she was brought in not by her mother, but by her grandmother, who was a San Francisco lady. And I adjusted. The lower lower lumbars, I'm I'm sure, had, uh, and I she was like 15, and she had been having a, a period for 60 days. I adjusted her, and brought her back the next day, and a couple of days in a row, and by the third day, she stopped the bleeding, and I checked her a few more times and adjusted her as needed, and um, she never had a problem again. That's cool. She came in years later for headaches or something, for some other, some other unrelated things, and her peers were just fine. And it was I'm pretty sure it was a fifth lumbar. Most of the time it is the fifth lumbar. Wow. That's what I have found for, for menstrual. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for telling that story. Yeah, that one, again, that was a good a, one. Teenagers, that's teenagers, good. Yeah. Teenagers, teenagers need, need care. They yep. really need care. Absolutely. Whoa. Cool. Let me think. Well, what about Kathy's kids? You've been seeing them since they were born. Kathy yeah, Chiropractic. Yeah, I know, but it's I'm you, I'm looking for I'm thinking of a miracle, and I I, I mean I have you have so many. I have archives. I have uh, you know. I think of some of the dramatic kids that I've had. I. Yeah, anyway, it's uh, it's been a hell of a ride for 49 years. <laughs> I can say that. Boy, you're so lucky. Yeah. Wish I'd discovered chiropractic back when you did in the 70s. Well, no, I was 60s. I, right? was, I was 23 years old when I discovered chiropractic. And my story was like a lot of chiropractors, a lot of young men and a few women that were going into chiropractic school had usually had a remarkable, sometimes miraculous recovery from injuries. Mine was from a car accident where I had left arm paralysis, I had headaches, and I had um, numb hands, fingers on, on the left side, and I went for four months through medical care. Nothing helped. And I went to a chiropractor, and within three or four visits, it didn't help completely, but I knew that something right was finally being done. And uh, in about six months, I was pretty well back to normal, and that's when I decided to go to chiropractic school. Wow. Simple as that. That was 1966. Wow. I got into Cleveland Chiropractic College in 1967, in January, and um, they, they rushed you. or the, You went through five, six hours a day of anatomy and physiology, especially the osteology and the splatinology and the uh, arthrology, all the all the ologies. And in about in, after two semesters, you were allowed to go to the clinic under supervision and start adjusting your relatives or your patients who you brought in. And then they had people coming in from the streets at $1 a visit. You could be adjusted by a student supervised by a licensed chiropractor. This was in 60... 
69, somewhere in there. Sorry. Anyway, that's part of my story. And that was in Southern California? That was in Los Angeles, yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. 60s, wow. I was thinking of another case recently, but I went out of my mind. The saddest thing is when a mother calls me and wants to know if craniosacral can help their baby, and I tell them yes, but it might take two visits, and at the same time, I might need to adjust your child because craniosacral is awesome, but children need to be adjusted too. And they talk it over with their husband or their partner, and then they decide they're not going to do it. But it breaks my heart because I hear. Baby won't latch correctly. Baby goes from zero to 110 seconds and gets upset easily, is uncomfortable. All these things that could be so easily handled with chiropractic or even craniosacral therapy, but the parents just don't have enough education about it. They don't, <clears throat> they don't want to go that direction. And I just feel so bad thinking about how they're going to have to live their life like that. And then I try to send them more information, but it just doesn't, it doesn't penetrate. What do you think about that? I think that that implies that you are not educating the, the leader of the family, usually the wife. Well, I talked to her on the phone. No, no I mean, you, she was never a patient? No. Okay, you, you really can't expect them that way. The thing to do uh, very much, you, you, you have to be very lucky to get somebody to bring in a child when they have not themselves been a patient yeah. or have not had a relative, a close relative, yeah. aunt and uncle of a child who had a chiropractic help. Yeah, yeah. But I, the main thing, the, the only time that my practice needs a little more attention and I start to worry about why I spent the morning and only saw five people. Yeah. You know, is when because I don't educate them enough. I yeah. I do not take the time to show them the spine and possibly yeah. even pinch their finger with with the spine and yeah. uh, whatever it takes to really get them to and then make and then keep checking with them to make sure. Do you remember why we adjust the atlas and the axis? Absolutely. We check it every time. Do you remember why I do this I'm twisting you around while I'm pressing into your back? These are all signs that you're, I can always find them on a person if they if they have them. This yeah. is why yeah. this is why I'm willing to adjust almost everybody. Yeah. So the the woman that I was describing, she uh was not referred to me, but was told to look up craniosacral therapy that it could help her baby by the lactation consultant. Okay. And they didn't give a name and they just called me, you know, and I tried to explain it and I just wasn't successful. Well, I would have explained as much as I could. And I would, I would also say, listen, I really need to see the baby and do a preliminary examination and consult with you. There's no charge for that. It probably yeah. takes more than 10 or 15 minutes. And I will be able to tell you whether or not I think I can help the baby, whether or not I'm willing to accept the baby as a patient. And if, if you can hold your own 
line on that and say, look, you know, I have to see the baby. Yeah. I don't expect you to make a diagnosis over the phone. And you can say it's one thing, but I know that there's other causes yeah. for that sort of thing. Explain yeah. that in detail. And you will. Uh, Maybe I'll call her back and I'll yeah. offer a free consultation yeah, tell with her the baby. Come in. There's no charge for a 15-minute consultation. Yeah. I'll do some tests and I'll, do, and I'll tell you whether or not I feel I can help. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good idea. Yeah. Thanks, Bill. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah you have to uh, 